come with us where the corn is popped and the throwback Thursdays never stop. It's a magical land not far away. All you have to do is just press play. So hop on the couch and close your eyes. Gonna party like it's 99. Join us, watch the movies of our lives with Blockbuster Wives. Welcome to Blockbuster Wives, where your two favorite 90s babies talk about movies from the era of a certain blue and yellow video rental store guess which one i'm your host of, with the mo- why am i oh my god mind fuck Shea february <laughs> mind fuck february and this is stacy not always kind but always rewinds and you're listening to blockbuster wives are you all thoroughly spooked out by this month's slate of mind fuck movies honestly if you guys have been following throughout like my mind feels a little tired I'm not going to lie. Wow. Do you feel that way at all or no? Um, No. But Maybe I've gonna, seen more of these films than you have. I was going to say, you know what it is? I find so much comfort out of watching the, and I'm not making a joke, the literal same shit, like over and over and over again. It brings me comfort. So the fact that like we're watching, first of all, new movies, but the fact that they're so like, you really have to be so present while you're watching them. Like that's, uh, that's different for me. Yeah, but I've seen each one of these films, so that's why I think it's, like, not the first time for me, so I'm a little more uh, oriented, whereas you are having your mind blown for the first time, with the exception of Fight Club. True. Fight Club and Eternal Eternal Sunshine. But the other two, yeah, they were, and, but also I need to say, Fight Club and Eternal, I watched them both, like, a while back. Mm. Eternal, I loved immediately the first, yeah, the well, both times I watched it, but the first time I watched it, I was like, this is like one of my favorite movies. And then I just hadn't watched it again because it broke my heart at the time. Yeah, and that's what's funny about really, really good movies is sometimes you don't want to watch them a lot. Yeah. Like, you're like, thank you. That was great. I'm emotionally shattered and I will not be coming back. Exactly. that, And that's how I felt about Eternal. But obviously, I wanted to watch it and we are talking about the marvel movie eternals oh, i'm totally yeah. kidding <laughs> what if you're just like that's your personality quirk just so you guys know in no in no universe will i be like oh my god marvel never like, say never well i think it's i mean it's sick it's cool i don't dislike it but i'll uh, I, I like them but it's just it's so intimidating because they come out right. with a movie like every day and they're all yes. connected and like you have to know every single fucking plot line and I'm like who has the time I think that's part of the reason why I don't partake necessarily it's not that I I don't know if someone was like yo you want to see the new hippity who blah blah movie I'd be like sure but it's not like my first choice not your mm-hmm. steve exactly not necessarily but i i won't like hate on it like i'll be there and i'll be like this is cool mm-hmm. I, <laughs> <laughs> I just don't like the way like sometimes they'll be like these godlike dudes being superheroes and then they'll just like say the stupidest lines right and you're like all right you're like, not as cool <laughs> And I have to bring him back to life. And it's like, it's like, okay. Like, well. Like, you're so I like the ones that are more funny. Like, Ant Man was more funny. I haven't seen Ant Man. Okay. I liked Ant Man a lot. I was like, okay. And also, TBH, I'm way more of like a Batman girly. Oh, because he's like a hot, rich daddy with tech? Not even that. I There's something about the story that I really like, which is weird because. 
I do like how like uh, like aggressively goth and like dark it is, especially <laughs> like, it with this new one. Oh yeah, this new I one. I haven't is seen so the newest one. Is oh. it like four thousand hours long? Dude, it's so good. It really is so good, and they chose the perfect song that I would have never thought Ooh. to use. Ooh, what song? Something in the way by Nirvana. Ooh, with Robert, and I think Robert Pattinson is super hot. He's super hot, and you know what? I didn't think he was hot legitimately until Ooh, this like, movie, and I was I like, get it. "Oh, I thought he was hot in Twilight." I'm not gonna lie to y'all. No, like now I look, now I go back and I have watched Twilight numerous times, way too late, and I'm just like, "Okay, yeah, I see what everyone was seeing at the time." At the time, I wasn't into it, but I am now. Oh He's God, super hot. I love hot. those movies. They're so camp and crazy and I ridiculous. I love them now. I hated They're them so in, back in the day, and I love them now. They're well, they good. were they were a lot back in the day. They were being shoved down all of our throats. Yeah, I think that now that that's why. not happening, you could just enjoy it as like a pretty bad but fun movie. It's yeah. like, go Kristen Stewart, you little awkward ass. I love quote-unquote bad movies. We both oh, love yeah. bad movies. As you might be able to tell from this podcast. <laughs> We cover a lot of quote-unquote bad movies, <laughs> but today is a very, very different course oh. because the movie we're going to talk about today Dude. is like number one on best movies in the fucking century list. Like people love, I shouldn't say people, critics <laughs> yeah. love this movie. They're like, this is film. This is art. Yes. Which, we'll, we yeah, why don't we just go right into it? We decided to end and by we i mean stacy because you chose this one right yeah so i picked donnie darko and maholland dread right she okay. picked fight club and eternal sunshine just as background yep and we're ending on this one in particular it is i mean definitely the most mind fucky yeah i picked this one because this is the film that most vividly stands out to me like after watching it i was like what yeah just like most other movies i'm like oh cool i get it like donnie dark was confusing right but this movie i was like what yeah like what? your mind is like jumbled like i <laughs> i'm disoriented mm-hmm. disorienting is the best way to describe it because there's no well we'll talk about it but there's no like one lane to follow the entire time you think that you know kind of what's going on and then it flips it on it it, 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 it why can't i speak today it flips it on its head and it puts the like, oh. it puts the lotion in the basket <laughs> it does a lot of things is our point <laughs> we're really trying to say and this film is uh, did we already say it oh yes we did mulholland drive, mulholland drive. all right and I'm going on corporate bullshit, so here we go. Yeah, we're going to do all this, and then we'll get to our very special guest. Very special guest. Corporate bullshit. Some bullshit. All right, cool. So Mulholland Drive was released in 2001, and it's a surrealist neo-noir mystery film directed by David Lynch. And correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't this also come out in, in like, October 2001. Yep. It quite literally came out. So, so like ca- Donnie Darko almost exactly the same time. Yeah. So like the release date, the first release date was actually for the Cannes Music Festival. Mm. Or music. Dude, who am I? It's Where am I? fucking music festival. Music. The Cannes. A lot of people don't know <laughs> can, this, can. but Cannes is actually can, a can. music Most festival. Most people wouldn't know about that. It was no. invented. Um, the Cannes Film Festival. It was released May 16th, 2001. But the actual like in theaters actual release date was october 12th okay so pre 9-11 cans film fest post 9-11 release right they didn't have to deal with the plane crash imagery that donnie exactly. darko did but, but other like pretty but very dark dark yeah very dark imagery that's reflected in the box office numbers i can't wait to hear 
Oh, okay. So, um, I want to actually talk about David Lynch for a sec because I learned so much about him as I was like going through this. So if you don't recognize his name, you might recognize some of the other things that he's done. So he, I think, wrote and directed Eraserhead, Elephant Man, the first Dune that came out in the 80s, Blue Velvet, and Twin Peaks, the TV show. Um, Um, Dune, woof. Yeah, like, yikes. Awful. I saw the new one in theaters, like, gone out of my fucking mind, like, gorilla high. Not a good idea. I was actually talking about the one from the 80s that Uh, Lynch did. That was uh, very bad. Yeah, I I can only imagine because the new one is, like, you know, filled with new technology and fucking Timothy Chalamet and shit, but, like, not good. So I can't Mm. even imagine what the 80s one was like. Yeah, the new one I thought was beautiful, but yes. I felt like it was basically just the soundtrack, and the soundtrack was awesome. Yes. I was like, this is just like a soundtrack with a movie attached, right. and nothing's actually happening. That's how I felt. Well, and also, to be fair, again, I was like, gonzo burrito, so I mm-hmm. do not know the plot, like, at all. Like, I could not, if it gun to my head, I could not tell anyone the plot. I don't think a lot of people could, except okay. there's like a big worm, <laughs> yes. and Timmy Shams is like the chosen one, maybe. Right. And he's in the desert. And then Zendaya shows up at the end in slow motion for like 30 mm-hmm. minutes and then it's over? Yeah, and I was very upset because like Timothy Shamalama Ding Dong is like <laughs> 17 years old <laughs> and he just learned how to fight. Yes. And they put him against like the native people's like best warrior. Yeah. And he like ices him in five seconds. Right. Like it's not even hard. Right. Like even like holds back. I'm like, okay. Like I kind of remember. I remember like a little bit more of a fight. Right. He put like his hand in a box. That was at the beginning. Yeah. Okay. And it's like pain. And he was like, oh my God. But then he doesn't take his hand out. So they're like, you're the chosen one. That part was pretty amazing acting. Mm -hmm. I will say. I remember being like, whoa, pretty cool. But like. Yeah. It's very bro. Yeah. Not. Not. great no okay but 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 anyways (laughs) uh, so yeah so david lynch did direct that and a couple fun facts about him weirdly enough he was originally trained as a painter and his Mm. paintings are like really dark and like very Mm. cool that's awesome um very like bacon-esque kind of remind me of hazen's you know like pretty cool look up hazen mayo's art if you haven't seen it please look up hazen mayo and you will be so happy that's my little brother he's an amazing painter like genuinely so good um he also was the highest rate of an eagle scout you can be and his troop was outside the white house as jfk was being inaugurated which was also on his 15th birthday weird is he lds or i mean i don't want to assume all boy scouts are lds but like a big chunk of them are i don't think that would be fascinating if he was but you're right getting a shaking head no from our producer (laughs) Almost every Eagle Scout I know, though, was Mormon. I think that's just like, us living fact. in Las Vegas, I guess. You know who else was almost an Eagle Scout? Ashton Kutcher. Maybe really? it's just like something with like people who want to act. Maybe. Know. They're overachievers. But yeah. Loser. No. <laughs> Grow up. Get a job. Um, also, I think he be- he got a new fan base during the beginning of the pandemic because he started these like weird weather reports on YouTube. And then David also- Lynch did? Yes. And then he also um, had a segment called Today's Number Is, and then he'd, like, choose a random, like, bingo ball with a number 1 to 10, and he would just be like, Today's Number 6, 
And it was just like, okay. <laughs> and it's like, what does I that mean? That. Nobody knows. It's it so David mean Lynch. Anything. It's provocative. It's provocative. <laughs> Gets the people going. I do think he is like uh, one of the hotter directors. He's so fun. <laughs> I'm picturing his like wafty hair with his fucking His vertical ass hair. And he's like getting up there. Mm-hmm. Right? It still looks great. But he looks amazing. I was thinking that today. I was like, is it just me? Clearly not. Every time I see a picture of him, I'm like, oh. And he yeah. seems like he's really tall, or is that just his he, tall ass hair? He, he <laughs> I think it's both. I think he's probably foot. tall. Dang, I should have looked up his stats. Not too late. Um, anyway, the movie is starring Naomi Watts, Justin Theroux, Laura Herring, who I have another fun fact about her. She was the first Hispanic woman crowned Miss USA in 1985. I and, have a height update real quick. Oh, yeah, please. He's 5'11". See? Not not as tall as I would have thought. I think the hair is adding some height. Or maybe he is 5'11", and then his hair adds more inches. Six inches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect height. The perfect hair height. Um, no, but yeah, Laura Herring, uh, who plays, quote-unquote, Rita. Rita slash Camilla. Slash Camilla. Slash yeah. who knows. Uh, yeah. She was the first Hispanic woman to win Miss USA really? in 1985, which is 1985. so cool. 1985, okay. Um, and then, just a few years later, she's like, you know what, I want to uh, start acting. And then she did. And she is gorgeous and talented. Holy shit. Yeah, very talented, very gorgy. Um, the movie is 146 minutes, way Long. over Ooh, our time. Oh, yeah, woof. Yeah, that was that was a big yikes. Um. Budget was fifteen million. Box Wait, fifteen? Fifteen. That's it? That's it. Fifteen mil. Wow. I know. That's so low. I know. Huh. And their box office was only twenty point one million, which I think has a lot to do with uh nine eleven. Yeah, and maybe everyone hated Dune still and they were like, This guy's back. You're like, <laughs> I don't think so. Although he did gain a lot of traction for Twin Peaks, but I don't know how popular it was like back then. I know mm-hmm. it's really popular now. Yeah, people love it. I tried watching it and I will not lie, I was just very bored and like it's like, can we speed this up? And that mm-hmm. is one thing about Lynch. He lingers on a scene. He, sure he is does. not afraid to stretch it out for like a solid five minutes. Which is kind of funny because there's a there's a moment in the movie where they kind of discuss that. Like one of the, what is it? Like the director in the film that they're discussing at a certain part is like, you need to deliver this line slower. Relish in the moment. And I was like, huh. I wonder if that's like, you know, he's kind of mm-hmm. talking about himself there. Um, Cause he definitely fucking does that. Um, it got an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. Lower than I would have thought. Yep. And it got an 87% audience score wow pretty even steven pretty even steven and then roger ebert Ooh, does i bet he liked it what do you think he rated it i think he probably gave it like three and a half or four you're absolutely right huh, really he gave it four stars dang so we've had two movies in a row now that he's given four stars he loves mindfuck february just he, as, like the rest of us just <laughs> <laughs> he's just like us he sure yeah he's, <laughs> he's exactly like us what are you talking about um I wrote a couple excerpts from what he said because just... We love our mans. We love our mans. We have a love-hate thing going on. It's like a will they, won't they? (laughs) Spoiler alert, they won't because he's Gonzo Burrito. (laughs) R.I.P. King. (laughs) R.I.P. King. I still want to sit on his uh, statue. (laughs) It's like, where is this going? (laughs) I still want to sit on his... uh... (laughs) 
was like, whoa. And with me, you never know. I will say that. That's But statue, which we found out is outside of Chicago somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's in. Yeah, it's like right outside of Chicago. I need to. See, we need to see it at some point. Maybe next Shrek Fest. We can make <gasps> Ooh, our way. Yeah. Okay. So he said, surrealist dreamscape in the form of a Hollywood film noir. And the less sense it makes, the more we can't stop watching it. This is a movie you surrender yourself to. If you require logic, see something else. This movie works directly on the emotions like music. Individual scenes play well by themselves as they do in dreams, but they don't connect in a way that makes sense. Again, like dreams. The way that you know it's over is that it ends. And then you tell your friend, I saw the weirdest movie last night. Just like you tell them you had the weirdest dream. And I was like, dude, fucking nailed it. Mm -hmm. That is the best way to fucking describe how it felt when the movie ended you're like eh, mouth open and you're just like okay it's uh all right it's over and then yeah and i like i said i've only seen this film once and it was like 12 years ago damn and i didn't really have anyone to talk to of it about it at the time you watched it by yourself and i just like googled that shit holy uh-huh. shit yeah i was just like what's the monster behind winkies <laughs> I gotta yeah. know. Well, and I had seen um Old Greg by then. Yeah. The internet oh my god. Sensation. Well, no, Old Greg came out. Yeah, Old Greg I think came out two thousand, maybe like three or four or five. Yeah. Well, so it's after this movie, but in my timeline, I, of course, I've seen Old Greg a million times before I saw Mulholland. Yeah. And I was like, he just kind of looks like Old Greg. He does. And you know what? He doesn't seem threatening. No. At all. And for anyone who doesn't know what old Greg is, it was this weird YouTube <laughs> video that I love, but it's, it's very strange. It reminds me of Stacey so much because she <laughs> used to watch it all the fucking I'm time. I'm old Greg. Yeah, it's amazing. I don't remember anything about it except for he how he looks. He paints watercolors of Bailey's. Wait, and <laughs> wait, there's a there's a line about how someone smelled. Smelled like some, I don't know, you used hmm. to bring it up all the time. Oh, elderberries? I think is that's that from Monty Python, isn't it? elderberries yeah it smells like elderberries and hamsters or oh something. no wait. i think that's i think that's monty python Never mind. but i probably quoted that too like every annoying person who was like i like comedy so i'm just gonna quote monty python all day i don't know why well now my whole memory of old greg is totally oh, fucked you know because i was like yes him and elderberries go together yeah, like so. cheese and crackers but and it's been a long time since i've revisited old greg we should watch it after mm-hmm. we record because mm-hmm. i want to see it again too but um yeah the movie in short i liked it <laughs> i liked it yeah we'll talk about it more but yeah uh, we're gonna have a special guest who is a film lover i imagine he's gonna have a lot of thoughts about this movie and david lynch i know he will mm-hmm. i know he will i told him that i was gonna watch it i was really excited and i was like i'm kind of nervous because like i've heard so many things and i just imagine i'm gonna be confused the whole time and he kind of said something similar to ebert and i'm excited for you guys to hear what he has to say i'm, g- I'm not gonna spoil anything I and want- we also don't know what he's gonna say totally the only thing he told me was like you know just go in and basically don't like don't judge it just like experience it and i was like yep that's a good way that's a good way of putting it good way for most films yeah so i was like you right you right and i did that and i was pleasantly surprised still confused but like it wasn't as like cray cray as i thought it was going to be but anyway we'll get into it um yeah we're very excited yeah chris cranock will be joining us in uh very shortly and for those who aren't familiar with his work he is a director he is a writer he is an actor he loves all things film 
He's been working on a project um, called L'Imposteur. He just got mm-hmm. off the heels of his grand world tour for his movie Bizarro y Fantastico, which you should watch immediately. And he won like every award for for yeah, short films, like, like all over the world. A million awards. It's very yeah. good. It's incredible. We actually got to see it in theaters like uh, a few months so ago. Cool. November, I think. Yeah. It was amazing. It was so cool to see. Like, you know, because the first time we watched it, I think it was during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm sure we all just like watched it on our phones or on our laptops or whatever. But to see it on screen was like such a cool experience, ex- especially wow, especially because Stacy and I took a literal film class. We've talked about him before. Yeah, we've talked about him before. Yeah. He taught us everything we know about film. Indeed. We took his what was it like six week course? Yeah, I think so. And I learned a shit ton. That's why I always know what a Dutch angle is, it, thanks to Chris Krynak, and yep. color grading. And now I know all these terms, and I feel very fancy. And that's all thanks to him, and he let us take it for free, which was so nice. It was so nice, so generous, so cool. We learned a lot, and um, just to be immersed in a classroom with other people that love it so much was really cool. And um, He's a great teacher. I don't know if he'll be in a position where he can even offer film classes anymore because he's, like, so busy. But if yeah. you do get a chance, don't pass it up. Yeah, really. Do- like, run. Do not walk. Um, but we're so excited to have him on. And um, we know that you guys will learn so much. Just, like, I'm excited to learn from I'm sure he'll teach us so much today. Mm-hmm. So without further ado, here he is. Chris Cranach. All right, we are here with the one, the only, the Chris Cranock. The Chris Cranock, everybody. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and we already started talking about Mulholland Drive, and I was like, hold on. We got to get this on the mic. Yeah, we were downstairs in yeah. the vagina room. That's my pink it's living infamous. room. It's infamous. It's gorgeous. I knew I felt comfortable in there. I was like, I've been in one of these before. <laughs> it is warm. It is cozy. It really yeah. is. The fireplace. There's two fireplaces in this bitch. Yeah. This like, is quite a place. This is the place to be. Mm-hmm. So, um, I decided to just go straight off vibes. I don't have any notes, so I don't know if you have notes. <laughs> no, I know you no, do. I, I don't. I have them. You know, I've seen, this is a film I've seen many times over the years, and it's a favorite of mine. I hadn't seen it in a while, so I watched some stuff from it, and but it's a vivid movie for me. So um. yeah, we like to talk about our relationships to the movie. So Shay had never seen it. I had only seen it once, but was obsessed with it, and was like, it's so much i'm not sure i want to watch it again but i love it but sounds like you've seen this film many many times yeah so yeah this is a you know david lynch is a is a key figure in my life as a filmmaker starting early with Eraserhead was that was like you know one of the it was like seeing you know 2001 a space odyssey you know it's comparable to that type of impact it had on me when you when you see it and and not to go off too much on a tangent already but it was funny because today with streaming it's great that so many movies are available. But when I saw Eraserhead, I was like 14, I think, 13 or 14. Sheesh, that's early to see that movie. Well, I was already a movie freak, you know, movie nut. <laughs> and so I was already getting through the basic. <laughs> I couldn't go to Blockbuster anymore or uh, or Best Buy anymore. You know, they didn't Hollywood have the video. selections that I could could satiate me anymore. So I had to go getting deeper and deeper in the weird. And at that time, Eraserhead wasn't even available on DVD. It was You had to, like, hunt for this really rare one. So it, it's David Lynch is wrapped up in a lot of those fun memories for me of hunting for weird, obscure movies and being the only kid and you know in ninth grade that knew about Eraserhead and yeah. showing it to my friends and blowing their minds, you know that kind of thing. So yeah, so I found Mahal and Drive pretty organically, just becoming obsessed with Lynch. 
And besides Eraserhead, Mulholland Drive is probably the most definitive David Lynch film. Hmm. So who is your video plug? Because I know some people, they befriend the video rental people and right. then they'll order them movies. Or But what were your channels in these nascent days of the internet? <laughs> so yeah, this was, uh, I mean, things like Zia Records, uh, this is that's the local place to have them in Arizona and then in Vegas. And, and yeah, I would just hook up with people there and get us get them to order stuff in and find weird obscure things or it wasn't the early days of the internet the internet was around so i was ordering off there too but it was hard to find things were really tough they're obscure sites and obscure companies that were printing and releasing and distributing the movies that makes okay have i ever told you my first memory of you no i don't think so okay well this is a perfect time to tell you that fits so well into my first memory of okay. you because i was in english class sophomore year and we're all just like right you know we're writing at our desk blah blah blah, and then you walk in and it's this like dude that's basically in like a suit (laughs) and like a full beard and like looking like hella debonair and i'm like who's like young dad is this like (laughs) and you just like walk in you're like oh hey what's up and i was like who is this like 23 year old guy that's just like waltzing into this class and are you a substitute yeah he's just like leaning on the desk and he's talking to the teacher and they're like old like college buds and i'm just like who the fuck is this you walk out and then she's like oh i love him he's a blah 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 and he's a student Uh and it just your energy just matches the energy that i'm feeling from you saying oh yeah i would just like go to zia and i'd like get them to order me movies and i'd blah 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 blah." like it just perfectly fits that's me in a nutshell i should have been in class when i was walking into other people's classes and talking to the teacher yeah just in and the a, teacher's lounge, uh, yeah, making an espresso. <laughs> I would leave class and go hang out with the librarian. And no, you didn't. Him. Yes, I would. That we, fits yeah, we your talk. soul. Because he, that guy, if we're, I thought it was a lady. <laughs> no, there was so a guy. No, there's another secret librarian in the <laughs> yeah, back yeah. that only select librarian. few people exactly. are cool with. No, 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 maybe there was, but he was a really, I forget his name, but he was like a really gruff guy. And so... He was very judgmental and weird, and like come on, you know those people that are so smart they're weird. They have like no pers- no personal skills, no inter- mm-hmm. interrelational skills. Yeah, it was like that, and so I but I'd be able because I was really into books and literature as well besides film, and uh, because my main focus in my early life was being a writer, so it kind of all was all encompassing. Anyway, so I could talk with him, and he would he was really nice to me because I could talk about you know like Dostoevsky, and we talk mad shit about Jack Kerouac. Who yeah, doesn't? He sucks. He's Fuck like, he's him. his mama's boy. And I was like, yeah, he is. You're like, he sucks. I mean, you should read On the Road, but that's about it. I haven't, so. I did, and I was like, I get why this was, like, really cool at the time. Yeah. Now in a post-internet age, I'm like. Psh. If you're going to read anyone from the Beats, and it's going to be William S. Burroughs. It's all you need. That's what I always say. That's it. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> he's the only one worth it. No, I have no idea what you're talking about. William S. Burroughs is great. He was. He real quick, super small tangent. He was a uh, one of the first openly bisexual or even homosexual writers of the 1950s, late 1940s. Wrote a book oh, called damn. Queer in the early 50s. Wrote a book called Junkie, which was his debut novel. It was about his heroin addiction. So a really interesting guy and a guy that kind of was was a beat, but kind of transcended that you know that moniker and we mm. think be, you know, Jack Kerouac's kind of stuck in the 50s he's kind of the prototypical guy but William S. Burroughs wrote for many many years and into the 90s and was really great and kind of bigger than that that's sick kind of like Lynch Lynch is bigger than his film motif he's not just in his time he's beyond that I also read today that I didn't know any I didn't know this about him he was 
a painter. Like he started as a painter, mm-hmm. which I thought was really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. And most artists painter. I know are like that. They're just like, oh, I started off with this, decided to diddle a little bit <laughs> that, went over here. Yeah. Well, film is oh, such a young art and really is. It's only about 120 years old. Yeah. So, you know, when he was getting started in the sev- late 60s, 70s, it was only about a half a century old. And so, yeah, a lot of artists start in other things and then discover this. And it's an expensive job. It's expensive to do, especially then with, you know, film developing. So it wasn't easy to get into film. It's not easy now, and it's easier than it's ever been now. Yeah. So imagine back then. It was extremely difficult. So, yeah, people would usually come to it from other arts and then find, you know, in it what it, what it could do, its capability, its, its uh, potential. Yeah. Well, I do think it's interesting that he gets so into the sound of it too. Did you see anything about him having like a music background, or no. maybe he he's a musician that along the way? Oh, he is a musician. Yeah, he does okay. come out with music that you can listen to. Oh, okay. Now. What's his instruments of choice? Synths. <laughs> there's a <laughs> lot of yeah. There's a lot of like yeah, noise. Yeah. Sorry. That looks like sorry. My his mic's slipping down. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah, it's pretty tight. Microphone talk. Welcome to microphone talk. <laughs> All right. Anyway, we're talking about microphone <laughs> talk. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, he he is a noise guy. Yeah. Yeah, a very meditative. Ambient shit. Yeah, I mean stuff he has in his films. You know, it's really mm-hmm. you know ambient and I think I was just talking about it that he's so um, his command of film is really in in the atmosphere of the, of the movies. You know, his atmospheres are so intense. Yeah. And he can kind of conjure those things up, and he's really great at that. Well, I think that's the beauty of any art medium. If it can truly take you to another place or like a certain mind frame. And it's, it's not it's not even so much about the content of it. It's the feeling. Mm-hmm. And I think he's excellent at that. That's oh, what yeah. you said to me. Mm-hmm. You're like, it's about how you feel. It's like, mm-hmm. what did you say? I can't remember. You texted me something. Oh, just on the, talking about you watching the movie recently. Yeah. I think I said um, it's it's like a dream. Right. In that you don't have to understand dreams to feel them. That's what, yeah. You know, you when you wake up sometimes from a really intense dream and it kind of like hangs over you, you know, but you were thinking about like, you know, you were wearing bananas for shoes. Like it doesn't make any sense that you're not connecting A to B to C, but it still had some type of emotional impact on you, something cerebral and, and emotional. And that's what film is. It's There's whole theories of, you know, film as dream, that film ultimately is like a waking dream. I think mm. I think someone like Lynch exemplifies that theory. So true. And we talked about that, how your brain doesn't really even know what's real and what's not. And that's why we can, like, we talked about how you can, like, you can think about a taste and, like, you can almost get there. Yeah. Like, you think about a sound and it's like you hear it in your mind, but you're not actually hearing it. Mm-hmm. And it's like dreams are perfectly like that. Like, you are experiencing something, but you're not actually doing it. But your brain doesn't quite exactly know the difference. Yeah, it's like an impression of the actual thing, mm-hmm. you know. And speaking of dreams, I think it's no mistake that this movie starts off. One of the earliest scenes is the uh, eyebrows, as I like to call him, in Winky's Diner talking about his scary-ass dream. Mm. Yeah, which is the best. I mean, that's a film within a film. Yeah, The whole so Winky's good. dream yeah. is, a mo- is a movie within a movie, and you can study that on its own, separate of the movie itself. Right, and, it's very, yeah. like, encapsulated. Like, you could just loop, loop it out. And yeah. That's how I felt about, like, every different scene of... <laughs> The movie, I was like, this is a film. This is a short film. Yeah. That's a short film. So I think I went in understanding that, like, maybe after, like, the third scene that wasn't connected with the other two, I was like, okay, I'm just going to see each new scene as, like, a new moment, and that's how I make sense of it in my brain. Mm-hmm. 
and it wasn't at, and that's when I hit you up when I was like it's not as confusing and then later on it became way more confusing <laughs> yeah first you're like this is I don't know what the big deal is yeah, I, was like, I didn't respond because words. I was like we'll just see about that yeah I said I said these are famous last words and all he did was laugh react and I was like oh no <laughs> I was like I gotta go I have yeah. to watch the rest of the shit yeah um but yeah and we are a spo- we are a spoiler podcast. So if you haven't seen the movie, the idea is that for the first hour and a half, maybe even two hours of mm. the two and a half hour movie, yeah. you think you're watching this mystery story about this woman who's uh, who has amnesia and she doesn't know who she is and she's trying to figure out who she is. And so you're like, okay, that's what this movie is about. Mm. And then there's a big old twist. Mm-hmm. And that's putting it mildly. I mean, I think yeah. the movie's kind of impenetrable. I mean, it's like incapable of being spoiled because. It is. I mean, you can. There's theories that make sense, and I kind of have made my theory and things like that that I can kind of put some bookends around. But really, it's not even about understanding it or solving it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference between like a mystery film and the films that Lynch makes is that they are mysteries, and it's because you have a lack of information. Right? You're searching for certain things, but if you resolve it in a conventional way, it doesn't really. That doesn't add up to what the experience of the movie was. You know, if you crack it, it's not like a Hitchcock film where you figure, okay, this person did this or that person did that, and you can, and then on a narrative level, you can go, okay, I get that. Yeah. That even if you could solve Mulholland Drive, it's not really a, what it's about. Yeah, and I, I I remember the first time I watched it, a scene that stuck out in my memory so much that I still think about all the time is when they're in um, the Silencio Club. Oh yeah. And the woman is singing, and mm-hmm. they tell you at the beginning. They tell you at the beginning. This is all tape recorded. Mm-hmm. But she is so amazing and compelling that you literally forget, and you're watching her sing, and the women are having this such strong reaction, and then she just falls to the ground as the voice continues. Mm-hmm. And it's like you again. You knew that it was just a tape recording, mm-hmm. and even after telling you that, you still buy it. Yep. They're like both so crying. Yeah. It's so powerful. Yeah. It's amazing. That was such an odd part of the movie. And that was my favorite scene the first time I watched it. I'm trying to think of what stood out to me this viewing. And uh, I think it might be Winky. The Winky monster. I'm you. <laughs> I said, I was like, I was expecting him to be wasted. Like, he really wasn't like malicious. You know, it didn't feel that way to me. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. You mean the you mean like the the garbage goblin? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The you know the yeah I you know what's great is that what's brilliant about that and there's a, there's like yeah I don't want to oh, get too film nerdy because we could spend no, a whole, get film we can get the whole talk the whole podcast just about the winky scene. We, yeah. There's not enough time, guys. That's what I mean. That <laughs> the winky scene for whatever reason. I think the first time I watched it, it happened at the beginning so much that I like kind of forgot about it. Yeah. But I think watching it the second time and knowing what was coming, I was like. What is this? Yeah. Like, I like it, but like, ooh. Wait, is he Winky? <laughs> I just call him Winky because no, Winky's he's the that diner. Winky. No, yeah, but I just refer to him as Winky because he, he's at Winky's. Yeah, like he lives Winky at Winky, so maybe they based maybe the that's name Winky. off of him. I it's supposed to be Denny's. The mascot, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. written in the, in the script. It's written as Denny's, but there was a problem with like copyright and stuff and the and the. Uh, the name usage. Also, Denny's Denny. is probably like, please don't put a garbage monster. Exactly. Right. Monster. We have enough. <laughs> we have enough trouble getting repeat business as it is. Well. Anyway, so yeah, so but I think the brilliance of that is that he explains to you everything that you're about to see. You know, there's no, there's only the suspense of what's behind there, and you. He's already described it. You know, there's something back there. Right. And it's still really shocking. It is. Yeah, and that's the pl- that's where I think it gets interesting as a filmmaker, which is, you know, and then kind of going back to Hitchcock, which I think Lynch in a lot of ways owes a lot to Hitchcock, especially in the Lynch in the uh, Mulholland Drive world, but just in general, is 
basically every filmmaker does mm. uh, owes a lot to Hitchcock. But it's about who who knows what when. And this is a thing that I put into my own filmmaking. When I'm writing a story, I think to myself, who knows what mm. and when? I Do I know everything? Am I omniscient in this world? Or are there things that I'm even not answering so that I'm not leading an audience one way or the other? And then when does the audience know something? And when do the characters know something? And this is an oversimplification, but it's like they should never match up. The audience should never know what the characters know, and the characters should never know what the audience knows, and no one should know what I know. And that, again, that's not always the case. That's a simplification. Right. But as a general rule, those are the types of things I like to think about. Who knows what when? And so when you look at Lynch films, it's like, you know, you know all the information that you need to know and in the Winky scene. He explains it, and yet it's still haunting. Hmm. You know what's coming, and then you but you still have that question of like, well, is it going to come? Is could you could you even put a face on something he's just spent five minutes describing? And that's where he gets like that's the juicy stuff when you go back and watch it five times and study it. Those are the kind of questions you ask. Well, it's such an interesting inversion because so often people are told like, show don't tell, show mm-hmm. don't tell, and in this movie he tells you and then he shows you, mm-hmm. and it's, it's an interesting flip of it. And well, it's still the cam- just as jarring. Yeah. Yeah. But the camera's doing so much work. I mean, if you guys notice, the camera's floating. That's the first thing. I did not notice that. So, yeah, the camera is on like a steady cam, which is a, a weighted system where the cameras can move independently with the operator. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of hovering. And it's a standard two person shot where they're sitting across the table from each other. And there's things called screen direction, which is like, where are they looking? What side of the frame are they on? And this, is, this helps orient the viewer. Right? They kind of know okay, this person's on frame left, and so they're looking at the other person who's on frame right, that kind of thing. We Mm -hmm. get a sense of where they are in the space. But if you look at it, the guy on the right side is hugging the left side of the frame. So he's leaving all this empty space on the right side, which is against the normal grammar. And it's just to unsettle us. Yeah, and because you can see the door in the background. Right, he's describing back. That's what I was thinking the whole time. I'm like, someone's just going to run right through. And it didn't happen. And then he tells the guy, you, you're you back there in my dream. And then he goes back there to pay. And so you start asking, oh, is this the dream? Mm-hmm. You know, he's describing the dream. Is it the dream within the dream? And all right. those things. And then it's all the added extra weirdness that it's like a self-contained scene. Although it ulti- really ultimately isn't because eventually a key sequence takes place in Winkies with my Naomi Watts. Mm-hmm. And the same uh, server. Yeah. So there's connective tissue, kind of like things in the unconscious mind popping up in the in the waking mind. Hmm. I was going to say another shout out to the um, the forehead of the brow guy that you're talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, eyebrows. He had the craziest forehead vein <laughs> I've did. ever seen. He was seen. stressed. Unpaid actor. Good performance, right? I was like, like I was like, is that Unpaid like actor. how people can cry on command? <laughs> yeah. He's like, I can vein on command. Eyebrow yeah. featuring vein. I was like, holy shit, this guy, like for some reason that's what impressed me the most mm. about him. These are the things that I'm. It's a good performance, really. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And the other guy was like, "Is this a detective or a therapist? Like, it's an unknown relationship with that guy. So that's kind of unsettling too. Where you're like, who is Mm -hmm. he telling this to? That's and why? For some reason, I assumed that he was an investigator, but it's never said. Mm. He's dressed up like an old '50s detective. Maybe that's why I always like. Well, I love like Lynch's use of like kind of cheesy stock. Americana characters like the detectives in Mahon Drive just like spew the most boring detective like you know Jordan. someone's missing up there like just like really basic stuff oh, and yeah. did you guys ever see um what did Jack do mm-hmm. no so it's a short film David Lynch made on Netflix and it's just David Lynch playing a man in like a weird 
diner out like at a uh, a train station. He loves diners. Loves he diners. Does. And he's talking he to a monkey. He's talking to his little, little monkey. And the monkey has a human voice. And he just interrogates him, but with the most cliched 1950s like non sequiturs, <laughs> just like random lines that'd be found in like some bad 1950s detective movie, but he's saying it to a talking monkey. And that reminds me of the scene where Naomi Watts does her um, her rendition at the audition, mm-hmm. and she totally changes it. So it's like, ooh, is that sexy? Mm-hmm. That was fucking cool, incredible. I was like, I w- it was, I was really not moved, but I was so impressed because she really just, you know, because the guy that she was acting with, he said, acting is reacting, and that's exactly what she did. She was reacting to how sensual he was being, and so she's like, oh, okay. And I thought that was really sick. She mm-hmm. just acts her ass off this whole movie. Yeah. Every scene, like, she's fucking killing it. She should have got an Oscar nomination. She really should have. I was mm-hmm. like, she plays, like, four different characters in one movie. <laughs> Essentially, and she yeah. nails it every time. Yeah. She's incredible. There was a moment, like, towards the end. It was, like, the last half an hour, half last 20 minutes where she's, like, things are just going haywire. Yeah. And she's, like, shaking. And she's, like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, she's, like, unhinged. Yeah. I was, like. You mean before the boom boom? It's, like, a little bit before that. It's when yeah, it's before you realize what she's done. Okay, but she's standing at the sink and she hallucinates uh, Rita slash oh, yeah. Camilla, and then she's like, it's so good. It blew my mind. I was like, this is fucking brilliant. And I don't know if I've seen her in anything. Nemi Watts is great. She's in a lot of stuff. She's King Kong. She was good in The Impossible. Oh, that's not a great film, but it's, she's really good in it. I heard Huckabee. She also plays She's an good. actor. Yeah. Which is odd. Well, there's a lot of layers in, like, a lot of art imitating life type stuff with Mulholland Drive because it was supposed to be a TV show. Mm. It was originally going to be a spinoff of Twin Peaks. Oh. And he shot a whole thing for ABC, which is so nice. weird. These very conventional stations that, you know, are hiring David Lynch. It's really weird. And so the pilot was almost completed, and it went to an executive at ABC, and they nixed it. They thought, you know, I don't like this, and they killed it. And then a French company stepped in called Studio Canal and gave them a couple million dollars extra to film an additional 20 minutes to make it a feature. So Lynch got that going from France, rewrote it so that it would function as a feature film, hmm. and then re-edited it, of course, into its final form. But that all, that, so he was having trouble with executives in Hollywood, and mm-hmm. you know, you know, he was on the, mm-hmm. on the outs with Hollywood, because that's such it's such an indictment of Hollywood. Oh yeah, yeah, I kept thinking, tell us how you really feel about Hollywood. Honestly, and like, it's a shithole. Clearly, yeah. you fucking hate it. It was yeah. fucking awesome. It's a really like, a terrible place. Not a lot place. of movies highlight this. Yeah, you know? it's a terrible it was place. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then Naomi Watts was undiscovered. She basically this film launched her career. She oh. had, and she had been auditioning for like over ten years and getting nowhere, Oof. and was having a horrible experience. Almost went back to Australia, and then David Lynch actually met her in person which is super rare for the you know in hollywood for directors to meet with actresses and actors anyway so yeah that and that and so and she, she even almost got evicted from her apartment while after the film had wrapped oh, and wow. she was going to leave hollywood mm-hmm. having the film completed and i th- um who's her friend another australian nicole kidman mm. said no no stay until the movie's finished it comes out you know it was out, it released and then she did and started her career but did not get an Oscar nom. Not no. She won an AFI award. She won a couple awards. That's good. But no, not no Oscar. She deserved it. I mean, Oscars also. I mean, Oscars are a microcosm of the problems in Hollywood. There's a lot oh, yeah. of campaigning and. You have to have like a budget to even try, right? Correct. Yeah. Ugh. It's Hate not it. quite bribery. Uh, they found a a weird way to to snake around it being pure bribes, but uh, it's <laughs> no. not. It's close. 
yeah, a lot of campaigning, a gauntlet, all kinds of press junkets and stuff. So if the movie doesn't have the money to do that, that's why these little movies are excellent, but they never get nominated because they don't have the money to really even support themselves in that campaign. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. surprised that the budget was only $15 million. Yeah. Was Very like, small. Because it was originally for TV. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, it's interesting that you said it was like a spinoff of mm-hmm. Twin Peaks because I haven't watched the entirety of Twin Peaks, but I've seen like different scenes here and there from other people watching it. And I felt very, it felt familiar. I was like, this is very Twin Peaks-esque. And I feel like, I don't know, Lynch has a a sauce. He has like a flavor. Well, and like, like Chris was saying, everyone kind of like is indebted to him in some way. So mm. I feel like his style has kind of like leached its way into a lot of our pop culture. Lynched its way. <laughs> Lynched its uh, way. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely permeated the film culture you know what i mean like if it's weird it's lynchian you know lynchians become a word the way that hitchcockian has or fellini-esque has or kubrickian or so lynchians become kind of a a a name of a a vibe but yeah i mean all lynch films have this kind of atmosphere about them and and to varying degrees of success you know for a long time i thought lynch was a one-hit wonder i thought lynch had you know eraserhead was like it He, he he debuted fantastically in the super weird art realm, you know, Eraserhead's like the Citizen Kane of debut films. Like, it's a really, really incredible movie. And then over time, because I think I felt like he was getting schlocky. I thought he was repetitive. I thought he was kind of going, I saw Wild at Heart, and it was fun and crazy, but not good. It was not a good movie. And mm-hmm. I had all kinds of trouble with uh, Lost Highway. I love Blue Velvet. You know, that's a good film. But then, yeah, over time, you start really seeing what his methodology is, and you start understanding more. And and then I eased up as a viewer, and I appreciated that he was taking risks, and they weren't always paying off, but that doesn't mean he wasn't a genius. You right. Know, when you start kind of seeing the, the, the diamonds in the crown, you know, you start seeing Eraserhead, Mulholland Drive, Elephant Man, Blue Velvet, and you're like, no, this guy, and Twin Peaks, you know, that was also a very definitive piece of work for him. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, okay, I, I see the arc, and this guy is really, really great. Yeah. Yeah. And it took me some time to grow into Inland Empire, which I thought was at one point unwatchable. Is it a show or a movie? It's a movie with Laura Dern, and it's brutally tough to watch. I I used to hate it, and now I like it. What about Dune? (laughs) (laughs) Dune's not. Well, you could ask David. It's not a good film, and it was stolen away from him. It was. And that's why I thought I wondered if Mulholland Drive was also in part a reaction to Dune. Mm. Like the whole like subplot about the uh, the shadowy studio all guys mm-hmm. forcing this director to like choose a certain actor. Oh, <laughs> I was yeah. like, mm-hmm. I feel like this is echoing something that I suspect happened with Dune in particular because it was such a big budget, mm-hmm. so highly anticipated. Yeah, and it just sucked. It did suck. Yeah, it sucks. And I mean, their thing is Dune's a great story, and I'm See, not. I disagree with you on that. Uh, I'm going on another tangent. I hate it. Okay, book. you don't like this book, so you don't like anything. Mm-mm. I read it, and I was like, Bleh. I've only read the first one. Me too. And I, and I, I didn't like it enough to read you know, all the others and stuff, mm-hmm. so that's, I guess that's saying one thing. Mm-hmm. I guess as a premise, I like it. I like the idea of the spice. Very cool idea. You know, the concepts are good. Very cool Maybe concept. execution. Poor execution. Yeah, not so much. But the concept's cool. And I even love the new Villeneuve film. The newest, the new Dune blew my mind. I really thought it was gorgeous. Yeah. But I think because I hate the source material so much. <laughs> so like, much. It's boring. I just like <laughs> Timothy Chalamet quietly standing half naked. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm easy. You're not alone. Right. I'm easy. <laughs> yeah. Most That's he one was, of the only things shine. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I was super high and I saw it in theaters, which is a mistake. We talked about it earlier. And mm-hmm. all I remember is the box mm-hmm. and him reacting. And I was like, that's cool. And then flash forward worm and then zendaya just showing up in like slow motion for mm-hmm. like 
10 minutes and then it was over and i was like i love the soundtrack i was like this is an extended music video for the soundtrack yeah, i think gorgeous. you should give it another try it's really good and i'm excited for part two maybe i'll be so i hope part two listen i think <laughs> i think you know i can't say i can't advocate enough a second viewing but do you think sometimes movies can be overly reliant on soundtracks Oh, my God, yeah. Because that's what I felt about this movie. Mm. I was like, you are relying on the music to make me feel anything. Yeah. What's another movie you can think of that's like that? Ooh, good question. Everyone. Every major <laughs> Hollywood movie really Name is. Name a big you know, one that you Jurassic like. Park. Huh. You know, like I feel like I Even the first one. Yeah, even... I mean, I love Jurassic Park. I, I haven't seen the first it. One is I still have not good. seen it. The first one? Have you or ever seen the original Jones. Jurassic Park? No. It's still oh. very scary, and the practical effects are awesome. No, I mean, Jurassic Park's a classic <laughs> through and through, and uh, that's another conversation for another day about how I feel about Steven Spielberg. But <laughs> Jurassic Park's a classic. You can't deny it, and it's great. But John Williams is an overly demonstrative composer, and True. Spielberg uses them. I mean, that, he's just an example of someone who uses music very conventionally. Mm-hmm. You know, I think um, I don't like when music manipulates me I think music, I, how I use music personally is usually in the form of like a juxtaposition to where I'm trying to add a new layer mm. that isn't already there in other things. Interesting. I, I read an important book called Making Movies by a great American director named Sidney Lumet. And he, he's passed away now, but he was really, really great and made films all the way up into the early 2000s. His last movie was uh, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Ethan Hawke in 2007. It's a really great movie. Anyway, so it's in our time period. Yeah, you we should do it before fire. the devil knows you're dead. Okay. It's it's fire. I'm okay. Our whole list. Yeah. yeah, and Thank it's you. really really great. It's a great finale, great swan song for Lamet, and just a great film. He made Dog Day Afternoon. He did Serpico. He did Network. I mean, classic after classic. Great guy. Anyway, he wrote a book, and it's one of the most practical books about making films. It's like it's not a lot of psychological or philosophical stuff. It's like this is what you do, and you go show up, and you do this, and you could do that, and it's very very practical. So anyway, so it's very and it's informative. And one of the things he said is that every element of a film should be doing something different. It's not reinforcing something that another element's already doing. Mm-hmm. So if an acting an actor is acting emotionally, you shouldn't underscore that. You know, that's the thing is people underscore things. What a mm-hmm. score shouldn't do is underscore stuff that's already there. In the mise en scene and the ca- and how the camera is behaving, how the actors are doing, or, or how the cam- actors are performing, how the script is written, what the context of the story is like, it should be always doing something different. So I've kept that in mind. I've never thought about that. See, I felt like Dune, it was just like Venn diagram has met in the middle. Mm-hmm. Like this this music is telling me everything I'm supposed to be feeling in conjunction with mm-hmm. the visual is how I felt. I understand that, but I mean, were you going to say something? I'm going to cut you off. No, I was uh, just listening. Yeah, I mean, my only response to that is the film is really about its spectacle. And so using movies, I'm pardon me, using music in a way to accompany the visuals and try to put the spectacle on display is something that worked for me. Yeah, like I said, I do think think of it as kind of an extended music video, which I think you could like. But I was like, this is a very long one. (laughs) And I also, like, I love Blade Runner 2049. Me too. And I felt like it was like a copy-paste with formatting, like, of that structure, but applied to Dune, (laughs) which I hate. So I think that's kind of why I was like, I get it. But I fucking but hate wrap this book. It up, wrap yeah, it and up. let's move on. And well, this is only half the story. Well, we're only at halfway. <laughs> well, Villeneuve kind of his dream project was Dune, and he used twenty forty nine as a way to prove that he could do it. He kind of mm-hmm. made his bones with it. So in a way, they're almost like uh, spiritual, oh, yeah. you know, sequels, mm-hmm. spiritual. 
projects. Yeah, and I was like, I've seen this before. I liked it. Yeah, I prefer twenty forty nine. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I really dislike. I really dislike the original Blade Runner. Yeah, it's not as good as people say. It's awful. Have you seen it? No. Yeah. There's seven movie. There's seven versions because there's no movie. A Blade Runner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there's the book like is bonkers too. Like the book yeah. is like very disorienting. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's but anyways, opportunity. we could have used that for mindfuck. Right. Yeah. Oh, well. I don't. I think it's before our time period. It's eighties. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But aren't there seven versions? Are all seven versions in there? No, and there's like seven cuts. Oh. That's what I meant to say. But there's like the director's cut and the producer's cut and the final cut and the theatrical <laughs> cut. There's really like I think there's actually like seven. I'm not I'm not exaggerating for comic effect. I think there's like six or seven. That's fucking wild. Well, always a sign that your movie's really successful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So and they always, you know, I mean all the film school nerds. I mean and I get it. I understand why it's important and what it did. It's not a good story though. Mm. So But was music used in the same way for that? Is that what we were saying? Yeah, it's the same. Composer, I think I piggyback. Right? I piggyback on criticizing the first Blade Runner because mm-hmm. I like to do that publicly whenever possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and so I was just talking about twenty forty nine. I don't think it directly connects to music. Okay. but Dune maybe over, is oversaturated with music. But I see it as a spectacle film, mm-hmm. so I think that works for me. For me, it worked. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a whole lot of music in this movie, right? Like it was really just like ambiance. Like you were yeah. saying, like synth, just right? Yeah. Like kind of in the totally. background, affecting you without you even noticing. Except for the swing music at the very beginning that doesn't get repeated, right? Yeah, well, it's a short. It's a clue. Yeah, because she does comment later that the reason she wanted to go to Hollywood is because she like won a doo-wop competition. Right. That's, right. What, that's how she got her first. Or she said taste jitterbug. Of, yeah, jitterbug. Right. Or some first shit. taste of success, of fame. Right. And then there was a doo-wop scene, mm-hmm. like the audition, mm-hmm. not her audition, but, you know, the other one, which I loved. I love doo-wop. But, yeah, interesting. I mean, I think what's, for, for me, what really is fascinating and what makes Mahone Drive great is that it has the courage to basically put us in a dream. Mm. So we only have, there's, there's arguments that are made that there's no waking life sequences at all. Some people think there's bookends, that there's like the real world and then it kind of segues into a dream sequence that extended for like 90 minutes or almost two hours. And then there's a wrap up that's back in reality. But there's arguments that all of it's either in dream or in flashback, which the flashback, when you do things in flashback, the question becomes whose perspective are we seeing it from? Right. And is it reliable? So you have a subjective flashback which means that it's not necessarily true or object, you know, it's not objective by definition, not objective. Mm-hmm. So is there anything really reliable in it? And that's where you get the duplicate girls. You get the doppelgangers that there's the dream, there's the parallel dream versions of these people that are kind of mixed between giving us clues about what's happening in the real world or what's, what has happened to kind of elicit the guilt. Right? We're kind of in like an, I, I view it as it's a, we're in a guilt dream that she's so, that Naomi Watts is so guilt-stricken from basically trying to kill her ex-lover and her friend and her acting partner. Or perhaps successfully killed her. Or, yeah, mm. or, yes. Well, there's, I think that there's more duality there. I think that there's a, right, because she, if I'm remembering correctly, there's a suicide attempt that is doesn't go well that is, cause, which causes her amnesia, which could be, but then they the way that they mess with the nonlinear timeline, you think right. it's the hit, that it gets disrupted by the car crash. So there's actually things that are happening on top of one another because of a, it's the dream, but it's also nonlinear. Right. So you're getting things that are out of time, out of sequence, put, put all around. Right. And that's just really a cool, I mean, it's not that it's necessarily revolutionary, but I think to that extent and how well it's done, how successfully it's done and how 
evocative those sequences are that are kind of self-contained. They feel like dreams. Yeah, I think we'd be remiss in not asking you for our listeners to tell what you think your your if you have one unified. I wanted to ask, but kind of that I think that she kills her friend has a hit. She has a hit put out on her friend that is successful because you get the blue key. Yeah, I'm like, where did this bitch get this money though? I know. Where where did the money come from? That's why I was like, is this real? Because I don't think this. Because you get the sense that she's a drug addict. Yeah, you, you actually you hear at one point someone smoking cocaine, mm. an unusual method for cocaine, but you can smoke it, I guess. And isn't that like the hit man guy? Isn't he talking to someone kind of close to the beginning who he's saying, like, keep an eye out for a brunette, blah, 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 blah. And it yeah. kind of looks like mm-hmm. Naomi at the end. Mm-hmm. So maybe she's like a sex worker or something. Yeah, it's unclear. Yeah. But, but well. just all that to say. Not somebody you'd think would have the kind of money it would take to kill a famous actress. Mm-hmm. True. True that. Yeah, but we also have, like, this mysterious aunt who we don't know. True. What, you know, Aunt Ruth. Mm-hmm. Where's she at? Yeah, and her beautiful apartment. It really is cool. Yeah, yeah right in so Hollywood fun. like that. So you know, maybe Ruth has some money. Yeah. Yeah, maybe Rob, Maybe she robbed Ruth. Maybe she killed Ruth. Because Ruth never shows up, if I remember correctly. Where's Ruth? Maybe she did. She's apparently like in Vancouver or something, making a movie or being a part of a movie. But yeah, convenient thing to say when you want to kill your aunt. I imagine so. <laughs> whenever I so kill right? people, I, I yeah. Put whenever them in I Vancouver. think about killing my aunt. Listen, yeah. aunts, you're not in danger. I'm just <laughs> saying. <laughs> Don't take it. You're gonna take a trip to Vancouver anytime <laughs> soon. Speak for yourself. Cheers. <laughs> no, I'm just hmm. So yeah, I think. I mean, it, in a really reductive way, it's a it's a a, a guilt fever dream. I can see that. You know, there's a there's a there's a kind of a, a a line that connects a lot of Lynch films from Eraserhead to Lost Highway to uh, Mulholland Drive. It's about characters that are escaping the real world into some type of fantasy or dream or nightmare world, some inverse world, to escape some type of guilt. Mm. One of my theories on Eraserhead. Is a is the the guilt of a, a a man who forces his girlfriend to have an abortion, and there's this kind of mutant baby that haunts him throughout the film. For Lost Highway, there's a guy who kind of escapes from the guilt of ha- you know killing his wife, and in this, I think it's the guilt of putting a hit out on her lover, mm. a successful hit, which I think I I do agree with you that it's successful because of the blue key. If we get the key at the end, which yeah, we know the, that's the signal. Mm-hmm. The hitman the, says, "I'll give you this key in the designated spot when it's done." Right, and, and she sees there. the key, and she's like, "Oh, yeah. yeah." So I definitely so that's kind of a you know I think that's an interesting theme that he's revisited throughout his work. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lynch is that you know, we we do things in our waking lives that our unconscious can't accept mm-hmm. that there's something that we some line we cross in our humanity with doing certain things that we can't it's kind of like a ptsd and idea mm. that you know even though soldiers are sanctioned and have the support of their governments and you know have been fed propaganda and this is right and you could do this and it's not you if it's not you you know if it's not them it's you and then that's going down to the most primordial primal version which is like if you don't kill you will be killed and people still chew the teeth out of their head and they still can't you have sleepless nights for the rest of their lives so even in the most practical way we can cross lines that i don't think we can handle the destruction of other humans as as an example and so i think that uh that's an interesting theme theme that lynch explores and then in his own kind of twisted weird mysterious way shows the the mysterious uh dream worlds that we would vacation to in the face of these type of horrors 
Mm. Yeah, it's almost like a, a need for equilibrium. Like mm-hmm. socialists like to say, the contradictions have to resolve themselves and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like I think maybe that's a way to think about it. Yeah, definitely. Like David Lynch is thinking some kind of balancing. Which he's very much into transcendental meditation. Mm-hmm. That's his thing. So is my dad. Oh, is that where it yeah. started from? Because there aren't a lot of Hollywood people into TM. I don't. Yeah, they are. It's a yeah, thing. A it's, which is, it's better than Scientology. Yeah. You know, s- sit around and be quiet, as opposed to you know. Be Tom Cruise. Yeah, kidnap be killing, and make kidnap them, them, and yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm all for TM. That's fine with me. Um, but. But yeah, I don't know if it started with that, but he's a huge proponent of it. He's like a mm. major guy. Anyway, so I think he has a lot to do with um, the balance of things. Mm. That would make sense. Yeah. Now let's talk about the sapphic elements Ooh, of the movie. Yeah. Well, we don't have to like go into it, but Hell I thought yeah. it was very let's cool and in. I was not expecting. Well, <laughs> let me say this. At the very beginning, I was like, oh, they're going to fuck for sure. But then I was like, maybe that's just me because I'm queer. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> These beautiful women are going to absolutely fuck. And then they do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is fucking cool. And it makes sense. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Well, mm-hmm. and you can see they have like such a strong bond like immediately. Yeah. And if the first part is understood as its own little story, they really only know each other for a couple of days. Yeah. But it's like, she's in love. I was going to say, and then they, you know, hook up for the first time and she's like, I'm in love with you. And I was like. Well, I mean, not to throw a monkey wrench in this, mm-hmm. but. Oh. There is the Naomi Watts masturbation scene. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's other theories that there aren't even two women. Mm -hmm. That there's only one woman. Mm -hmm. And so I think when you think about the masturbation scene, the concept of showing self-gratification, you know, by her doing that with herself, that might be a clue that the lesbian relationship is a fantasy is is or it's making love with oneself in a more literal way showing it with two people, but really it's representative of, of a masturbatory act. Hmm. I do think there's a way to view the movie as Naomi Watts never meets her, and mm-hmm. she's just infatuated with her on-screen portrayal. With the star. Yeah, right. and it's just like, I'm in love with her. We have this relationship, and it's like, no, babes. Right, <laughs> right like even yeah. the scene where they're at the, I don't know, dinner party or whatever, and Justin Theroux, whatever his name is, right. and what's her name? Rita slash... Camilla? Yeah, Rita. Oh, Rita. Yeah. Or Camilla. I think in this. Camilla? Yeah, this version. Camilla is her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're obviously together, and they're making it very clear to everyone that they're together. And Naomi Watts is just sitting in the corner, like crying. Right. Well, that's the motive to kill her, they think, besides True. her success in film. But also, she could just be having a full fantasy, like, you belong to me. Like, right. you're supposed to be with me. You owe me this. And it's like, that could be a total. I mean, made up in her mind fantasy. Yeah, I did think it was interesting in that scene, too, where Rita slash Camilla isn't only just making out with Adam, the director, but then she makes out with the other Camilla Rhodes. Very confusing double names. Right. But it's just like, and you get like, okay, so is Naomi Watts just viewing her as this like kind of like, oh, she'll hook up with anybody. And that's why I'm mad at her, you Mm -hmm. know? Well, I think the thing that's more important to say, that's, that's you know, to me, more interesting and trying to put the you know pull all the strings together in the film is isn't isn't it amazing that a movie like this could be voted best film of the century so far by the BBC and be fairly you know universally acclaimed and we don't really have a concrete idea of what it was about or what happened but i think that's why you think that's why i think you need a little ambiguity but here's the here may i from a filmmaking perspective mm-hmm. yeah Okay. I think you're right, but I think that's only one part of the story. Hmm. 
because what a lot of people fail to do in the in the especially like in the art film world mm-hmm. is they mistake being vague for being mysterious or ominous or you know you can't just take a puzzle piece out of the puzzle and expect it you know to work i think what lynch does which makes him great mm-hmm. is that he makes the films kind of oblique enough and abstract enough and ethereal enough so that you can participate in them and make them your own. They'll, they'll live with you if you if you like them. If you connect with them, if they do their job as an entertainment, then you'll connect with them and you'll make them your own and you'll revisit them and you'll come up with conclusions and you'll even come up with satisfactory conclusions, which may or may not be his intention. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. Mm-hmm. He, he goes beyond having to solve the piece but the extra brilliance of it is that he makes it feel satisfying he entertains you he satisfies you he even makes you feel like there's a sense of completion which this is where a lot of films fail they might be weird and mysterious and lack information and make you want to think about it but if you don't feel satisfied you'll never go back and pick it up again Mm mm-hmm and what always makes me think about this always this is in a more conventional way, but it's I think there's also connective tissue is The Shining, one of my favorite films. I talk about it all the time. It's one of my favorite things. We talked about The Shining in our intro. We did. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. I, there's there's relationship there. Oh wait, no, that was off mic. J.K. the viewers. Oh, not I talked about thing. The Shining because I said the house, my house. Yeah, Stacy's house, the house, this house, this house that we're in currently. I said the house tells people what to do during parties they don't decide what to do the house tells them Ooh, very like, it is a main character very we're living in partnership with the house yeah sure in, <laughs> and it's you know what to communion. be honest yeah. as a super like spiritual person i came in and i smudged the whole place before they like fully moved in there was a lot going on a lot going on and it was awesome it was like positive like i could just tell that it was like yes there was orgies here is what you're trying to say one thousand percent. That's yeah. all I'm trying to say. Wait till you see the rest of the house. Oh, no, I can't wait. I can't yeah, wait yeah. until you see one. I like particular... how you're really mad, pissing out all the audience. Out. Oh, I don't see. You can't see. <laughs> sorry, you're it's not that here. The puzzle piece is missing, babes. Yeah, sorry. sorry. I'm saying. Are we giving this podcast to you enough to make it your own? Ooh. That's the question. But anyway, so real quick, so finish my point briefly. Yes. At the end of The Shining, it has that long tracking shot down the hallway, right? Mm-hmm. And. Uh, the main events of the plot are over, and it goes to this wall, if you remember, and there's a picture of Jack Nicholson on mm-hmm. the wall, and he's uh, in a 1921 uh, New Year's party or something. And it, that reveal gives the audience the sensation of going, oh, like, yeah, what? Yeah, and then you're like, wait a minute. Because so... it actually solves nothing. Right. It doesn't make any sense. But it makes you feel like... But it gives you the sensation... Right. Of completion. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think this might be an interesting. I am a lawyer, and the term ambiguous has like a specific legal meaning, mm. and it means that when a contract term is susceptible to more than one meaning, and there is no way to accurately resolve which meaning is the correct one. Mm. So I think it's it's different than having a piece of information missing. Mm-hmm. It's not that you are lacking information in the rest of the contract. Right. It's that even given the sum of its parts, you cannot reliably know what this piece means, and it could mean multiple things. Ooh. Wow. Nailed it. That's perfect. That was... Mm. Yeah, that was, that was I love when my law degree that was fabulous. gives me film shit. And I think that's Mulholland Drive and films like it. Films like The Shining. They're not missing things. They're incomplete. Mm-hmm. It's just they mean different things to different people. Exactly. Yep. Well. And that's yeah. the beauty of Mulholland Drive. <laughs> and there's 
Mind fuck February. I think everybody. we're ready to move on to our personality test. I that might so be a nice summation point. That might be a that might be the end right there. I think yeah, so. I think that was fuck. You nailed it, babes. Uh, thank you. You, were, you guys just thank work you Boyd together. Thank you, School of Law. <laughs> um, do, is there trivia? Because I think we should give it to oh, Chris. Oh yeah, trivia. Okay. We should give it to Chris because uh, we almost skip trivia, everyone. I'm so excited. It'll be okay, fun. Five questions. Okay. Do you don't want to try? I'll try. Okay, for some sure. are a little harder than the others. Kay. Oh, okay, it's like a quiz. Yeah, so we always so, do a quiz. So we, when we are watching the films, whoever's turn it is, because we switch off, oh, we'll man. just try to think of like five questions about the movie. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I haven't seen this in a while, so okay. I'm gonna, well, this will we'll be. We'll see. So number one, who is Adam supposed to cast in his movie? Full name. He was supposed to cast. Wait, oh, oh like who? What, he was told. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't it Camille? Full name. I have it in my notes. Fuck my asshole. <laughs> Camille. I don't know. Yeah, Do you I know, know it? I don't. Camilla Rose. Shit. Oh, it's the Rose, the second Camilla. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dang it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, number two. This one's pretty tough. I feel like an asshole for writing this one. <laughs> what room number is Adam hiding out in? I just thought it was weird. The camera focuses on it for a long time. And there's a lot I of number talk. Before I came there's a here. lot of number talk in the film in general. There I will like, also say not only number, but they show it's such an LA fucking film, mm. obviously, mm-hmm. because they show so many street signs that are very famous streets that are it like and spots like Pink's fucking hot dogs mm. oh, yeah. and like I was like this is Lynch so- loves LA. He has he lives there. Still, yeah, he lives right? in the Hollywood Hills. Well, there you go. Loves LA. A little bit hates of a love story. The Hollywood industry. Period. Yeah, to break the system from within. Mm. Do you remember the number? I have no idea. No. It's sixteen. Okay, <gasps> and there's another sixteen. I think it's sixteen it. reasons multiple. why I love you. Oh, that's the song that the doo-wop song they're singing. It got stuck in my head already. Man, so. yeah. yeah, that's a known. I'm gonna give you that point for trivia. Yeah, you. I can. We don't even keep track. Yeah, you gave up. We always over. say we get 100 percent, even though that's not true. <laughs> I know. We, I'm like we nailed it, even though like I get everyone wrong. I know, like I got every single one wrong. Okay, what is the first name Rita remembers? Oh, it's the server. Um. Oh yeah, from Winkies, right? Yes. Uh, I can't. Fuck! Damn you! I Diane. know. Like, you're so smart. What Diane. Diane? Oh, Diane. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then it turned into Betty. Another, later yeah. on. Another, yeah, Diane also linked to Twin Peaks. Oh. Really? Diane's the person that uh, the the, uh, the the main guy talks to on his tape recorder. Oh. Mm. Interesting. You never see her or hear her. All right. Question number four is, what is unique about Club Silencio? We kind of talked about this a little bit. That there's, it's all pre-recorded. Yeah, it's pre-recorded. There's no band. Yeah, it's all I know banda. Mm-hmm. Uh, last question. Where does Diane go to hire the hitman? We did also talk about Winkies. 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 Tanky Winkies. One, 100% everybody. I remember everything about Winkies. <laughs> Nothing else. Winkies Named lives in my head rent free. Named after the garbage guy in the back. Yeah, I went to I the think place. He is Winky. I went to the place they shot the Winkies scene. Denny's? And it's closed. It's closed. They, I think it's still standing, though. Was it a Denny's? I don't remember if it was a Denny's. It was like, but it was all defunct. I remember. There's also like, in that part of California, it looks like Denny's, but it's a different Cocos. It's not Cocos, although I love Cocos. There's another brand. I can't remember the name of it now. It's not Winkies either, although that would be very. Cool. I don't think. I think Winkies is fictitious completely. Mm. There's one called. Um, no, it's based off a true story. 
based off the dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> he looked at me just like, His birth name is Winky no, McWinkerson. That was amazing. Okay. Right. So personality, personality quiz? Personality quiz. are going to be our first step. There's okay. 12 questions. All right. Oh, I'm excited. Hit me. Okay. What do you need most at the moment? Damn. What's the great. question? What do you need most at the moment? Oh, this hell is yeah. a very deep real. question. Oh, Sometimes they're very deep. Okay. Romance, a clear mind, a night out, confidence, a glow up, or real friends? Aww. A clear mind. Okay. I knew you were going to say that. Question two. Pick a pair of earrings. Ooh, this is a visual one, but I'm going to show it to you, and then you can describe the one you like. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> Ooh. Sorry. Oh, sorry. We had a phone clutter. Nice. <laughs> I'm going to go with the very first one, the little leaf with a pearl. The little look. leaf with a pearl. AF. Very cute. Did you say cute? <laughs> <laughs> Never thought I'd hear you ever utter those words. Okay, question three. What would you choose as a first date? Club Silencio, a classy, fancy restaurant, an underground film screening, the local gardens, a diner, a dark tunnel. Dark tunnel, Jesus. Yeah, don't uh, do that anymore. Who yeah, would ever pick a dark tunnel? <laughs> Lots of people. Yeah, that was, Jeffrey yeah, well, Dahmer. Yeah, let's yeah, check. <laughs> yeah, let's tag their computer if they choose that. Um, <laughs> I, I'd like to say an underground film screening because that's obligatory and that's what I really want. So but the truth is, is I'd actually probably just pick like a Winkies diner. I'd go diner. Diner. Diner is such a good first date. Yeah. Such a good first date. Yeah. Fil- underground film is like the second date once I know she's cool. Yeah, you have to make sure down. she's down. Yeah. Right. Pick some lyrics that resonate. These are long. Some part of me was lost in your sleeve where you hid your cigarettes. I want to ruin our friendship. We should be lovers instead. I probably still adore you with your hands around my neck, or I did last time I checked. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. Your mother wouldn't approve of how my mother raised me, but I do. I think I do. And trying to find the one that can fix me. I've been dodging death in the six speed. Are these real songs? Um, yeah, I'm going to have to go with these. the Eagles, Hotel California. You can check out anytime you uh, like, but you could never leave. Like because it's such a great line. And although I do, you know, I always want to fuck my friends and ruin friendships. Because who needs friends? I don't need them. Wow. You can yeah. fuck people and still be friends. That's what, that's what I mean. I, wanna, who, I don't need to pick. Yeah. It's not one or the other. You We're did friends. say who needs friends. I mean, yeah. I got. I mean, I just feel like <laughs> I, I, didn't say that. I feel like I have them. <laughs> I don't like, want new ones. Oh, okay. No new friends. No new friends. Hashtag, no, hashtag no new friends, Right. Guys. Well, I have them. I don't want any more. Heard it here first. Me neither. You know yeah, what? I'm pretty bad as We're it is with the up. current friends. We are filled all the way. Fuckers. Yeah. Sorry. I'm at my ceiling. <laughs> okay. Question five. Pick a cheesy quote that I've saved on Pinterest. Incredible. We're getting a little peek into the narrator here. Okay, I'm going to make a very beautiful life for myself, no matter what it takes. Sorry, it's very tiny font. Creating space by getting rid of things that no longer serve you invites possibility, opportunity, not, not and more space condo, for baby. love. I'm a clutter. This is so long. Oh my god, the font is tiny. Do you want me to read it? A often, yeah. Okay. Can you read that? Yeah. It is so small. Wait, but the arrow thingy is in the way. Yeah, it's all fucked up. Something often and much to win this something. There's something in front of it that I can't. <laughs> the intelligent people and the the line again of children to earn the appreciation of honest critics and endure the betrayal of false friends to appreciate beauty to find the beauty in others to leave the world a better weather by a healthy child a garden patch or a redeemed social condition to know that one life easier because you lived here this is to have succeeded that's one that's one okay the next (laughs) so that's a no um unless i am myself i am nobody virginia wolf 
The most fucked up joke the universe will play on you is letting you meet the right person at the wrong time, or your life isn't yours if you care what others think. What's the Virginia Woolf one? Um, unless I am myself, I am nobody. That one. Okay. Next. You can do the last half. Okay, I'll switch off, yeah. When you have a goal in mind, what is your first step in pursuing it? One, keep it a secret. Two, doubt yourself and ask someone for reassurance. Three, tell a loved one so they can keep you accountable. Four, probably forget about it later that day. Five, daydream about it to avoid reality. Or six, construct a plan you're passionate about pursuing. Last one. Got it. Okay, next. Pick somewhere to live, and this is another picture one, so you can... uh, <laughs> I picked. Oh, what does it look like? It's okay. the cluttered book one. It is a cluttered. Although I'm not that cluttered, thing. but the other uh, the other ones are too neat. Mm. So I, I picked more cluttered it. than neat, but I'm not that cluttered. It, uh, there's a certain something to it. Though. The, the kids like call it. it maximalism now. So exactly. Now it's a thing. Yeah, okay. It's a thing. Put a name on it. It's mm-hmm. a thing. Oh, cool. Slap a name on it, and it's cool. Um. Take that, Marie Kondo. There you go. Yeah, throwing out my cool shit. <laughs> she loves clutter, though. She talks about it. Would she like our Nicki Minaj collection? Of I don't course. know if she would. Wow, that's hilarious. And the Nicki Minaj painting. We're big Nicki fans here. Wow. <laughs> I see that. I feel like I'm in a, I feel like I'm in a sequence of Mahalan Drive. Chris right <laughs> looks alarmed. Nicki Minaj. To I was say like, least. <laughs> 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 I'm Oh, my God. You're pink wigs. Yeah, yeah all of a sudden. You'd, would yeah, she you'd like look. her Nicki Minaj? And all of a sudden, I realized my, right hand, my hands are tied. <laughs> I'm like, let's go to the beach. Yeah. beach let's go get away. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Nikki Minaj, Nikki Minaj, corpses in that room over there. Nikki Minaj. It's actually a roof. It's wildly it is. dangerous. It's a roof? Yeah. yeah. It's okay. cool. <laughs> Pick a specific music genre. Maybe we should just give it to Chris. Because if we no, all do it, it'll take a thousand I want years. you to read them. Of course I will. I don't want to sit here quietly. I'll remember. I'll remember. So I'll, okay. I'll, yeah. Okay. Pick a specific music genre. Bubblegum pop. Sad jazz, nostalgic mm-hmm. songs from different times in my life, alternative rock, I prefer podcasts, <laughs> or whatever genre that one song I'm obsessing over for the week is. That one. The last one. I'm the same way. Yeah. I beat songs to fucking death. Yeah. Currently. I, until I hate it. Yes. <laughs> currently, well, yeah. Currently, it's um, Gangstaboo by Ice Spice. Look it up. Chris, you would love it. Mm-hmm. Um, pick a relationship aesthetic. This is... <laughs> This no, is no. so Tumblr and amazing. Someone made this about Mahalan Drive. How weird. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm like, I love I love the weird-ass personality so quizzes. Weird. They're so fun for us. What, so pick a person, a relationship type? Yeah, based on the picture. Oh, man. I can't wait to see what this shit is. Uh, I'm definitely going with the two chicks smoking cigarettes in bed. Hey. <laughs> I didn't see that option. That's yeah. amazing. Ooh, ooh. Hell, yeah. Very in line. With yeah, I don't smoke, but everything else about that sounds good. Mm-hmm. What movie's main characters would you have as your friend group if you could? Hashtag no new friends, you Hashtag guys. Hashtag Winky. It, Hello. This is assuming that I need new friends. Exactly. Or I want mean, any. We didn't say it, you know. Um, the <laughs> you Grand Budapest Hotel. No. Book Smart. Spirited no. Away. The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Mm-hmm. Or Dead Poets Society. Dead Poets Society. I love that movie. Yeah, I want a bunch of teenage I want boys. A, yeah, a bunch of Uh-oh. weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's going to be friend Robin Williams. I'm totally right. kidding. Well, I would definitely befriend Robin Williams, and then I, whenever Ethan Hawke was old enough, probably try to have sex with him. I get it. Yeah. I totally get it. 
choose a prom out. There's a lot of picture options. Oh, really? Okay. Choose a prom outfit from Pinterest. <laughs> yeah, that's so mean. This person's into Pinterest. This is they might work for fucking Pinterest. Pinterest. Who knows? I'm going to go with this very classy white suit here. Oh, a white suit. Okay. I like, white I like women in like, you know, feminine suits. I do, too. Love a good suit. A little androgyny. Yeah. I don't like big girly stuff. Yeah, Shay's trying to find a suit for my wedding because yeah. I says bright. Are you going with a suit? Yeah, I think so. I like a good suit on me. I think it fits my overall vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you do on your last day on Earth? Find someone to put out my passion project when I'm gone. Have a sleepover with my friends. If you chose that, that'd be very cute. Pick my dream meal. You're just putting a fuck on the sale. Sleepover with all my fucking friends. Like, I'd like you to pick this one anyway. <laughs> no, I just, it would be cute if you did. No. Because it'd be no. surprising. <laughs> Cook my dream meal. Go for a long walk with myself. That also sounds like I'm yeah. going to pick the next one for you. Get on a plane to my dream place. What? Or spend time with my family. Oh, that, they kind of screw you over in that last one. Like, do you yeah. love your family? Yeah, or <laughs> fucking your I family, think I bitch. would find someone to give my passion project to. Oh. Not that I don't care about posterity. I don't need to, like, live on. But I would like, you know, if I'm making work that I care about, I'd like to just get, release it, give it away. He's giving it to us is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think I, I kind of define myself maybe too rigidly by my work. You know, my, hmm. my I, I don't like to think of myself only in the terms of my own work, but... It tends to be the bulk of my mental space. Hmm. So I think if I had one thing, one day I'd say like, okay, well this is, I'm going to go give this thing I did and try to give it to somebody else. And why would you give it to us? <laughs> I think, well, see, I mean, I wouldn't, but if I did in this hypothetically wow! world, no, this hypothetical world no, I'm just kidding. I think you guys would take care of it. You guys would do well with it. We would. I know we you would. We would hold it so close to Oh, our am I reading the results? Oh, I don't know. Was that it? It just locked up, so I Oh, no, me. we have the results. Oh. Okay. You are Rita slash Camilla. People look up to you and see you as the pinnacle of beauty and success, but on the inside, you're struggling to find yourself. You often feel disconnected from the world, like you don't fit in, but you don't know why. Wow. Thoughts? I disagree completely. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you, you quiz. (laughs) Everybody's a critic over here. Okay. Should I go next? Yes, of course. You know, at last podcast for Fight Club, we had a discussion of who are you beyond your likes and dislikes. Mm. The question is, who are you beyond your work? Right. It's a good question to ask. Stacey yeah. asked me that, and I was like, well, I think of who I am is, is who we yeah, were. Yeah, so much about what are your preferences, but. Well, it's, I mean, the thing is, it's not work for me. You know, it's like, it's a passion mm-hmm. that, and I, not to, again, I don't want to disrupt the, the flow here, but just, I feel very fortunate because as a filmmaker, you get to be, be a, a professional interested person. Mm. That's what, I mean, filmmaking is the culmination of so many disciplines and so many interests and you get to learn about architecture and fashion and music and the performing arts and poetry and carpentry and being an electrician and how to you know a technician how to turn something on and build something from scratch an engineer i mean you get to do all you get to live all these lives yeah so i don't really i mean I again, I had that battle with myself. Like, I well, want more than a film director, or I'm more than that. But at the at the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with being that because it allows you to be everything. You know, I like to think of myself as a good friend first for the friends I have, not the new ones that I don't want. Yeah, fuck but uh, obviously, hashtag just, no new friends. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but no, a good friend, a good uh, you know romantic partner, a good son, a good whatever. So those are the other things. But I feel like the better filmmaker that I am, the more interested I am, the more empathetic it makes me. 
Mm. I get to experience people's lives as a tourist through film and and see what I could I could never see it through my own small little keyhole. And so I think that that makes me a better uh, person on a one to one friend or brother or you know whatever it is so yeah so I really kind of put those qualms to bed about defining myself too rigidly by my work because I, like I said I think it really opens me up to to a world that most jobs don't do to me it isn't a job mm-hmm. yeah I feel the same way about being a death row lawyer I learn I all kinds of crazy shit and get to hear people's stories and it's cool yeah, yeah I think the longer that you're doing that which you've always been a super open amazing person but even like as the years go on you just become even more open and even more understanding and even more empathetic and it's like very amazing well I think see. that's the magic of storytelling which film can do or you can do IRL like right. it's just all about opening up your mind and your heart yeah which is why you love books both of you mm-hmm. books and stories Mm-hmm. Yeah, stories are, I mean, the stories are everything. That's kind of how we track time through our history. They're what gives us our myths and legends and religions, and, and it really shapes our, our morality. Yeah. You know, because I'm, I'm, not, I'm a non-religious person, non-spiritual person, so I feel like the closest I get to being spiritual is kind of the respect of, the, of, the, of storytelling, the human desire you know, again, small, tiny tangent, but this idea of like AI, you know, where we're all terrified right now about what an impact it will make on creativity because these computers could just generate things. And it is scary and there's definitely going to be changes coming, but the desire to hear stories from people, I don't think will ever go away. I think there's something primitive in it. Well, have you read the book Homo sapiens? I think it's Homo sapiens. But this uh, evolutionary biologist posits that part of the reasons that Homo sapiens sapiens succeeded to the exclusion of all the other upright monkeys was our ability to tell stories. Mm -hmm. And that was a way that they could use stories to get, like, fight the other apes, for lack of a better term, and, like, really be self-sacrificing and do things that they never could do on their own. And so his whole theory is, like, storytelling is actually literally part of our human DNA and ancestry. Mm. I agree. I believe it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Love it. Okay. All right, you know. quiz. Let me see. Okay, see what these kind of deep quizzes bring out. Right. Saying that's, that's why like you never it. know what weird internet quiz will do to you. Also, it's like very nostalgic for us because uh, in like every teen magazine we read as kids, there were always like seventeen different quizzes that wow. we would always take to be like, "Are you in autumn?" And like we just suck the tea, mm-hmm. ate that shit. Mm-hmm. I've done up. a couple. Of what Batman villains are you? You know, I'm always wanting. Like the Riddler, but I always get someone lame. I'm like, like who? Trying to think, like Clayface or something. I'm like, I'm I the don't Riddler. Know who Clayface is? I was just talking to Stacey about how I love Batman. I so. love Batman too. Yeah, it's maybe really... my favorite like uh, superhero series. Yeah, I like his superpower is money. I can get behind that. <laughs> Hashtag America. <laughs> can you? Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, what do you need most at the moment? Do you remember the answers? Nah. A night out, confidence, a clear mind, a glow up, real friends, hella rude, or romance. I agree. Clear mind. I think that's what you said. Uh, take Always thinking, you know. Earrings. Okay. All right, earrings. I like these extremely extra bird ones. Of There's like a million take... birds on it. Let me take a look. <laughs> Oh, oh my god. They're amazing. <laughs> okay. What would you choose as a first date? Club Silencio. Dark Tunnel. Dark I'm just t- No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> like, really? No, Club Silencio. If Club Silencio was a real place, I'd be like, we're fucking going. That would be an experience. And I'm sorry we don't like it, but 
We're going. We're fucking going. They have the best pre-recorded music you're ever going to hear. It's <laughs> incredible. I'd be the lady at the front not singing. Mm-hmm. There you go. Pick some lyrics that resonate. Some part of me was lost in your sleeve where you hid your cigarettes. I want to ruin our friendship. We should be lovers instead. I probably still adore you with your hands around my neck, or I did last time I checked. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. Your mother wouldn't approve of how my mother raised me, but I do. I think I do. Or, trying to find the one that can fix me. I've been dodging death in the six speed. I like the mother one. I don't know what lyric that is. Me neither. But I'm assuming they're all real lyrics since this you person, clocked the I mean, yeah, there's one from the only one I recognize is the eagle. Hmm. Okay. I don't recognize any of them. Me neither. Okay, this is this crazy tiny quotes. Um, hmm. I like your life isn't yours if you care what others think. God, yes. Gorgina. When you have a goal in mind, what is your first step in pursuing it? Daydream about it to avoid reality? Keep it a secret? Doubt yourself and ask someone for reassurance? Construct a plan you're passionate about pursuing? Tell a loved one so they can keep you accountable? Or probably forget about it later that day? Okay, I disagree with the premise of the question. I hate to be all lawyery. But it says, what is the first step you take in pursuing your goal? But I would say I do daydream about it a lot before I, like, you know, get the contours. But Mm -hmm. it's not the exclusion of reality. It's just that's part of the process. Right. So I'm going to say daydream. I agree. But with an amendment. with a Yeah, little, uh, but, like, asterisk, yeah, but I don't agree with the second part. I can remember thinking that was bullshit, too. Yeah, I'm like, what do you mean? I was like, fuck like, this You can lady. daydream and pursue goals. Exactly. I, day, I mean, most of my life is daydreaming about what I'm, think, what I'm doing. Yeah. Okay, so Me this too. is That's like, what room do, do I like? Okay, some of these are just like the, the lone red bed. I know. Uh, I know. And I thought, I was like, whoa. Those sheets need to wash. I'm going to choose the like old weird <laughs> yeah. 70s house pick because God, yes. that's what I live in. Yep. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Is there a Nicki Minaj picture? In there? Oh, <laughs> God, I wish. Okay. Pick a specific music genre. Bubblegum pop. Sad jazz. Nostalgic songs from different times in my life. Alternative rock. I prefer podcasts or whatever genre that one song I'm obsessing over for the week is. Out of all those, I'm going to go with sad jazz. Because I love I Lana knew Del Rey. You were that. She's I, basically sad jazz. sad jazz. I fucking knew it. Okay. This one is the picture of this the, is the picture of hashtag relationship goals. The first one is too pretentious. Okay. I didn't even take. I like the people laying in the meadow. Oh, that's pretty. I'm gonna do that one. Mm, too many bugs. <laughs> like, I disagree. What movie's main characters would have you as your friend group if you could? Wow, why couldn't I read that? Dead Poet Society, Spirited Away. Scott Pilgrim versus the World, Booksmart, The Grand Budapest Hotel, or The Rocky Horror Picture Show? Oh, God, that's a tough one. I'm going to go with Grand Budapest Hotel just because I love Adrian. What's his name? Brody. Brody. Or is Adrian Brody or is it Jason Schwimmer? Schwartzman. 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 Jason Schwimmer is from Ross from Friends, right? They're both in it. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Easy. Grand Budapest Hotel. Exactly. And F. Murray Abraham is in it. He's great. Yeah, I'd, I'd hang out with him. He's an actor. He wouldn't like me. He wouldn't want to be anyone's friend, but I'd like to, him Why? to be Why? Why wouldn't friend. he like Maybe you? that's an act. He seems somewhat curmudgeon Hmm. These people are actors. We don't know. I think people I would feel like, like I know F. I feel like I know him. <laughs> like, ah, I feel that way about someone. I feel like he, he'd want me to call him F. <laughs> I think Roger Ebert would hate me. No. <laughs> yes. Why? Because, um, do you think he was pretentious? No, not particularly. Oh. I think he could be an <laughs> asshole. 
Right. He was. He was kind of an asshole sometimes. But I think he was also a very sincere guy. I don't think he's overly pretentious. I don't know. Whenever I – well, okay. He gave Hellboy three stars. Come on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Did he yeah. really? Yeah, how could he be – He also gave sh- Shrek four stars. So, so come on. But I don't know. Most of his reviews, I'm like, God, he would hate me because he's just like, this is – like, okay – it was specifically his review of The Grinch that I was like, he would hate me because yeah. I relate so hard. I hate to do this, but we have low battery. Oh, shit. Okay, go. We must continue. Okay, please. My favorite prom dress is this flowery shit. Next. Okay. Yes. Here we go. <laughs> we got to make it. I'm going to save it just in case. What would you do on your last day on Earth? Spend time with my family. Get on a plane to my dream place. Find someone to put out my passion project when I'm gone. Cook my dream meal. Have a sleepover with my friends or go for a long walk with myself. I'd have a sleepover with my friends and my family and literally everyone I know because the world is ending. That sounds fucking incredible. That's exactly <laughs> what I would do. You are Betty slash Diane. You're extremely oh. talented and timelessly beautiful. Oh, crazy However, bitch. <laughs> you have a habit of black and white thinking oh. and you tend to lie well, to yourself disagree. and set unrealistic goals. You take things very personally and can easily spiral and hold grudges toward others or yourself. I'm with you, Chris. This is a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, this, this quiz lady, doesn't know me at all. No. This no. lady needs to just go back to... Pinterest. Go to Pinterest. Needs to go pin some stuff. Okay, we're gonna try to do this five percent battery today. Here we go. Are you ready? Dun, ready. Dun. This is the speed run. Okay. Okay. What do you need most at the moment? Romance, clear mind, real friends, night out, glow up, confidence. Romance. Romance. Next. Pick a pair of earrings. I hate earrings. Uh, <laughs> these. Go. They're like little gold. They're hoops. little gold hoops. What would you choose as a first date? Club Silencio, a classy, fancy restaurant, an underground film screening, the local gardens, a diner, a dark tunnel. Diner, for diner. sure. Hell I yeah. love a diner. Pick some lyrics that resonate. Oh, God. Some part of me lost in your sleeve while you hide your cigarettes. I want to I like the cigarette fr- one. Okay. Okay. Question five. Pick this weird-ass long quote. Shit. Um. <laughs> this is fun. Yeah, they should have all been speed rounds. <laughs> this is like adding some drama to me. <laughs> I'm going to go with... Um, uh, uh, yeah, your life isn't yours if you care what other people oh, think. Yes. Okay. Question six. When you have a goal in mind, what is your first step in pursuing it? Daydream, Daydream. about it. Okay. Love it. Decisive. Yeah. Just, you gotta. Why do you want to let me select? Okay. Uh, pick somewhere to live. Oh, I didn't take a look at any of these. Uh. She really wants the red bed, but she's not going to. That's what I was thinking, man. Yeah. It's dark. It's silky. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with the. So much pressure. You know, I'll go with the one that has the kitchen in it. Cool. I love cooking. Your food is great. Yeah. Pick a specific music genre. Bubblegum pop, sad jazz, nostalgic songs from different times in my life. Alternative rock. I prefer podcasts. Whatever genre that one song I'm obsessing over for the week is. I'll go. I have to go with that one. Okay. Uh, pick a relationship aesthetic. Here we go. Um, stairs, flipping the camera off. LOL. I do... I love a good museum. There's one. I that's... almost went with the dancing with a museum. Yeah, I oh, love. Oh, so that's the one I was like, that's too much. Okay, yeah, the I dancing ruined it. Do that. So they were standing there, fine. Yeah, I like both. I like the dancing and I like the museum. Which movie you want to be homies with? Scott Pilgrim versus the World, Spirited Away, Grand Budapest, Rocky Horror, Booksmart, Dead Poet Society. I will go with Booksmart because they're like queer teens, and that's cool. pretty cool. Okay, prom outfit. I think I might have to go with the suit. The as suit well. is sick. Mm-hmm. sick. Okay, there we go. Okay. And the last question: What do you do on your last day on Earth? Long walk, dream meal, plane to dream place, put out your passion project to somebody, sleep over with friends, spend time with my family. Sleep over. Oh, okay. 
You are. You are also better, Diane. So we're um, black and white thinkers. We have unrealistic goals. Yada yada. Anyway, so I'm Lita, and you guys are Betty, and you're gonna kill me. We're gonna yeah. kill you. But yeah. now it's plug time. So oh, we have to plug please. before the battery All runs right, out. So I got a million things going on. So Here we go. I got my the film Bizarro y Fantastico, which I had made a little while ago. It did really well, which is really great. Thank you guys for all your support and stuff. We talked but, about it at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Oh, we awesome. love it. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Uh, we're developing a TV show version of it over in Ooh. Europe. So there's some interest for getting uh, developed, getting that developed, which is really exciting. Nice. I'm leaving this Saturday morning to go make my first feature length motion picture in Ooh. Paris. Ooh. Really so exciting. amazing. <laughs> it's called. Uh, L'Impostier du 16 Rue Revignon. Wow. It's uh, based on a play that I wrote called L'Impostier, which is getting produced uh, in France this year, which is also really exciting. And uh, then I come back, I'm going to make another movie called Bipolaroid, which Shay is actually going to yeah. be. Yes, I am. I'm super excited about She's that. She's a star. So we're working on that, too. So there's, and there's a bunch of uh, other stuff going on, too. But You have a website? You want to shout that I out? I do. It's called chriscranock.com, K-R-A-S-K-R-A-I-N-O-C-K.com. You can see all the stuff that I have up there and watch videos and films and all kinds of stuff. And Great other, website. like, social media platforms Just you uh, Instagram and Facebook is just my name. And you guys follow this podcast. I'm sure you'll put my name in there. You can find mm-hmm. me anywhere on those two. We sure will. Okay. Well, thanks, everybody. This has been an amazing conversation. Thank I you hope so much it was for coming. I think it yeah. was. I'll You're, see. Yes. I think we're mind fucking everybody. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. Good. Every, we mind fucked everybody. And I feel like I gained a lot of knowledge today from hmm. you, obviously. No. And I knew that at the beginning. I was like, we're going to learn a lot from Chris today, you guys. <laughs> Just and indeed we did. Oh, that's sweet. Thank we you, sure guys. Did. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's really cool to be here. Thanks. Yay. All right, we love you. Blockbuster love you guys. Bye. Love you guys. Bye. Thank you to our producer, Brent, for his editing skills and to Grady for our delightful theme song. If you have questions for us or would like to advertise with us, please email us at blockbusterwives at gmail.com. And as always, please rate, subscribe, and tell all your friends about us. We love you.